Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome, Pinewood Church. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Parker, and I'm the pastor of Pinewood, and it's an honor that you would be with us. It is a special day. You know why? Because it's church day. We're coming together, and we're leaning into God's Word to see what does God want to teach us today. And I want to invite you right now, go ahead and get your Bible, grab your notes, take some notes today. We're going to be diving into Philippians. Uh, Last weekend, we started a series titled Heaven's Agenda. And we're working through the first two chapters of Philippians over the next, well, seven more weeks, 18 weeks in total. That's right. Two chapters in eight weeks. And I am so excited to be diving into this text. I love the book of Philippians. I know we're not supposed to have favorite books of the Bible, but I think Philippians may be one of my favorite books. Have you ever had somebody give you a gift that right after you received that gift, you were so overwhelmed that you picked up the phone and you called them right away and you said, thank you for that gift. That's so generous. Or maybe you're old school and somebody sent you a gift and you pulled out what's called a pen and a paper and you did this thing called writing a thank you note. And I know that's, that's very old school. It includes stamps and a post office, but how many of you love receiving a letter or a note? Or how many of you love receiving a gift in general? There is no greater gift giver than my wife. You thought I was going to say something else. Yes, God too, for sure, gives the best gift. But here on this earth, my wife, my companion, my love, she is the best gift giver. It doesn't matter if it's my birthday, maybe it's our anniversary. She gives me gifts on holidays, guys, or a tough day. To be completely honest, almost every time she goes out, she brings me something. And now, gift giving is not my love language, but having to know you don't have to have the love language to love receiving gifts. (laughs) It is my wife's love language. And how many of you know that both giving and receiving gifts is a sign of compassion and love for somebody? This is the universal language. I remember even traveling all around the world doing mission work and visiting friends overseas and partners. And the second that I would get off of the airplane, what's the first thing that they would do? They would give me a gift. And it was a sign of their love and affection. One of the gifts that stands out uh, the most is when I landed in India. And the second I get off the airplane, they give me this flower bouquet, big, thick flowers, beautiful bouquet around my neck. They give me a a gift that's wrapped and then they give me their favorite tea. I mean, I felt like, felt like the president walking off the Air Force One and I'm walking in, but this was their sign to me that they're welcoming me, that they have a, a compassion towards me, affection towards me and a love. And I felt it. Well, this letter that we're going to be looking at today is a thank you note to the church at Philippi, the church that Paul had started. And he's writing this thank you note and just showing how much he loves them and his gratitude towards them. They had given him a very generous gift while he was in prison. And I want us to unpack this letter, the first part of this letter together in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. It says this, 
I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this text. We thank you for this letter that was written to the church of Philippi and the many, many applications that we can take from it. It's so relevant to our life today. So Father, I just pray that your spirit would be the teacher and that we would lean in to to see how this letter can change and transform our lives today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, one more time. All God's people said, put it in the chats. Amen. Amen. So be it. The title of today's message is Start to Finish. Start to Finish. Before we dive into the text that we read today, I want to give you a little bit of a background. This, like I said earlier, was a letter, a thank you note to the church of Philippi. Paul is currently in prison and he is what he thinks he's awaiting his death. And this church of Philippi had been very generous with Paul in his missionary journeys, even up to this point. And they sent Epaphroditus to give him this gift. Now, as you can already tell from the introduction here, Paul loves these people. Paul loves this church. And I want to look at the first two verses that we read here today. In verses three and four, it says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always. I mean, every, always. Oh, I mean, can you tell that he loves these people? Always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer. Paul is remembering, he's looking back all of the experiences and the encounters that he had with the church of Philippi, and he's filled with joy as he prays for them. Who in your life do you think of when you give thanks and pray to God? Who in your life maybe do you need to thank God for when you pray? See, I believe that we all have people in our lives that have greatly impacted us. People that have had significant impacts. They have influenced in a positive way towards God and His grace in our lives. And I think it's really easy for us to forget the people that brought us to the point to where we are today. And so the first thing that I want us to encourage you with today, including myself, is I want you to remember. Remember. Remember the people that were there for you when no one else was there for you. Or maybe remember the person that when everyone else seemed to run, when times got hard or 
when you were going through a difficult season or maybe you were just flat out being mean, this one person leaned into your life and spoke truth to your life when you needed it the most. Or maybe it was the person that when you were feeling isolated, this was the one person that leaned into your story to listen. How many of you know that if you look back and remember some of the people in your life, some of the greatest memories we have of people were the, were the people that listened the most, that leaned in the most, and that maybe even said the things that you didn't want to hear in the moments that you needed to hear it the most. Who is that person for you? Maybe it was a mentor, a parent, maybe a sibling, or maybe it was a friend. I want us to remember, as, as Paul remembers the church of Philippi, but then I want us to take it one step further today. I want to encourage you to send that person a text message or write them a letter and let them know, I'm thinking of you, I'm thankful for you, and I'm praying for you today. I think that we don't even know the impact that that could have on somebody's life to let them know the impact that they had on your life. Don't overthink it. Keep it simple. I love you. Thinking of you today. This was a moment that impacted my life. I sent a message just like this last week to a mentor of mine. There was a quote that I used in my sermon last week, and and I texted him right after, and I said, hey, I just used this quote that you told me, and it's still affecting my life in a positive way. And you've made a huge impact in my life, and I just want to let you know that I love you, and I'm thankful for you. And and would you believe he's responded right away by saying, you know, this means so much to me. It means more than you know. I've been following your journey as well. I've been praying for you. How many of us today just need to pause, remember, and be thankful? Would you write that down? Just just pause. Remember the people that were there for you. Remember the people that were generous towards you, the people that loved you, and then be thankful for them and let them know. You may be saying, I haven't talked to this person in a year, years, months. You may even be thinking, well, this person made a big impact on my life, but to be honest, our last encounter wasn't so great. Send that, send that text message, write that letter. And I think about the church's perspective for just a second. They're receiving this letter from the Apostle Paul saying about how I, I'm remembering all of you. I love all of you. I'm praying for you in every one of my prayers. And I can imagine this church of Philippi is thinking, we don't deserve this we're kind of in a little bit of a mess right now. But I can also imagine that this letter of gratitude and appreciation for their generosity also shifted their perspective as well to have a heart of gratitude. Nothing can shift an atmosphere like a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. Isn't that true? Have you ever walked into a space where everybody was a critic and everybody was negative? It just feels, you just feel it. It it only takes one person in the room and you feel it. But how many of you know when you walk into a space and you're like, I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for the impact that you've made on your life. All of a sudden, the atmosphere begins to shift. How many of you are creating moments that will last far beyond people's time and experience with you? I think about this with Paul. So he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi who he had planted this church and here he is almost a decade later writing this letter of all these fond memories. Think about when people have an experience and an encounter with you and then they move or they they go on mission somewhere else 
and they leave, when they look back on their life, what are the memories and the moments they have of you? I think of followers of Jesus were called not to just create fun and fond memories, but to create genuine and authentic experiences for people. Catalytic moments for people's lives where you show up, where you lean in, where you have the conversation that you're afraid to have. And so that 10 years later, people look back on their experience and their time with you and they can say, man, I have nothing but fond memories of this person. I love this person. I believe that we all want that set of our lives. In verse five, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel, fellowship is good, partnership is better. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Think of the Christian community that you're part of. Maybe it's the church you're a part of or the Christian community that you've put around you. Would you consider that more of a fellowship or more of a partnership? And I want to differentiate the two just a little bit. Would you consider it more of a social club where you come together just to catch up on your week, how you're doing, what are you into these days? The weather, wow, it's fantastic. Or would you consider it more of a partnership where you're involved in their story, you're giving to their story, you're supporting them, you're protecting them, you're honoring them, you're in partnership with them, they're in partnership with you, and you're doing this thing together. You see, I I think a lot of people come into the church looking for friendships, but it's my heart and my prayer as they step into our four walls or screens that they don't experience just friendships, but they experience family. True partnerships in the gospel. What do we see in scripture? That the church is not just individuals that like each other and talk about their week, but that it's the body of Christ. The partnership is so much so that I need my arm. I need my big toe. I need my hair. I need the parts of, I don't know that I need my hair, but I'm just saying, I like my hair, but I'm just saying, I need the other bodies, the parts so that I can fully function. That is true gospel partnership. Verse six says this, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Number one is uh, fellowship is good. But partnership is better. Number two is you can't stop what you didn't start. You can't stop what you didn't start. Who began the good work in your life? Was it you? No, he began a good work in your life. God initiated the good work in your life. You see, God does not leave an abandoned project. You may be feeling that today. You may have had moments in your life where you looked back on your life and you said, okay, I've heard this passage. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. I've heard this before. And I've believed it at times. But right now, I feel abandoned. I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel like he's not there for me when I needed him the most. And I'm here to tell you right now, our God is faithful. He has not left you. He has not abandoned you. God does not start something that he does not finish. God does not initiate something, then evacuate. 
He doesn't begin something good, begin something fresh in your life, and then bail on you when times get hard. That's not our God. Now, the enemy wants you to think that, but that's not the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What God starts in your life, he will bring to completion. The two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you discover why. It's Mark Twain. The day that you said yes to Jesus. I want to talk to the Christians right now for just a second, the followers of Jesus. The day that you said yes to following Jesus was the day that God began a good work in your life, a good work called grace. Unconditional love and unmerited favor on your life. I think back as he's writing, as he's pinning this letter back to the church of Philippi, I think of Lydia. When, when, when Paul is having his first encounter in Philippians and he's on his way on a prayer walk, he encounters Lydia. And he shares the gospel with Lydia. And Lydia is baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Her whole household comes to faith. In that moment, God began a good work in Lydia's life. And Paul is writing right here. A decade later, he's saying, he, Lydia, he began a good work in your life. And I believe that he's going to complete it. Whenever he was walking the next day and he comes across a slave woman who was possessed he calls out in Jesus' name and the, the demon flees and she is freed. I can imagine him right now as he's pinning this. He who began a good work in you, he's saying like, you are free once, now and forever. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. I can imagine his first encounter after they had brought him to prison and they had beat him and he's there sharing the gospel with the Roman jailer. I can imagine he's pinning this. He's thinking of the Roman jailer that yes, you are a Roman jailer, but now you're a Roman jailer follower of Jesus Christ. That in that moment that I shared the gospel and you received Christ, everything in your life changed. Not only his life, but his whole household came to faith and was baptized. And he's writing to the Roman jailer, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He's telling the church at Philippi, even though there's this Uh, a lot of disruption. There's people trying to convince you of false doctrine. There's a lot of disunity right now. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You see, Scripture references God as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has existed before time. He'll exist after time. He invented time. When God created the heavens of the earth, he said, it is what? It is good. He began a good work in creation when he created the heavens, the earth, all that we see and touch and experience right now. When he breathed life into man, when he made woman from a rib of Adam, when he created humanity, he said, it is good. And in that moment, he created a good work. And this good work is a work called grace. God did not initiate and then evacuate and say, all right, humanity, figure it out. I'll be back when you need me. No, 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 no. God was very in tune with the details. As we read scriptures from the beginning all the way to the end, we see a story called grace, a story of love. This is a love story, a love story that all through the Old Testament points to one 
person, and his name is Jesus. The work that God had initiated then was a story called grace. And guess what? He fulfilled that story called grace when Jesus came and lived on this earth. He died. He raised on the third day for our sins. And he's alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father. And guess what? He didn't just initiate it in. He's still working out his grace today in your life and in my life. That though it seems like maybe it doesn't feel like he's there, God's work is alive in you today through his grace. And guess what? He's not going to end there. He's going to bring it to completion until when? Until he returns again. He's coming back. And he's not going to stop now. I want to ask you a personal question as we, as you may be hearing this and, and, and maybe even you're thinking, okay, I, I agree. Maybe God is working all this out for my good. But just right now, I'm having a hard time trusting in this thing that you call good because it doesn't feel good. It feels painful. It feels hurtful. Scripture calls this affliction. And I want to ask you today, what in your life is causing you to not trust that God is doing a good work in your life? And why? could be anything. It could be provision over your life. Why would God cause me to lose my job? Why would God cause me to not be able to pay for my kids' tuition or whatever the case may be, whatever you're going through right now? Maybe it's progress. You've been working so hard to move forward, but now you feel like you've taken two steps back, 10 steps back. You're like, why would God be doing this to me right now when I feel like I need him the most? I'm waiting on the good work. Maybe it's loss. Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's your marriage or your kids. I, I don't know what you're personally going through. But what I do know is, is that God has never left you. And that even in your affliction, God is doing a work in you through his grace to bring about hope, maturity, and his love. I want to prove it to you right now in scripture. It says this, and not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. How many of you need endurance right now? I pray this over my kids all the time. Whenever we're praying, I pray with them every night not and, and, and during the day as well. I pray them only at night. <laughs> I can't, I don't even talk to them. No, I, I <laughs> Uh, we, I pray for them all the time. Pray without ceasing, especially over my kids. And then we're praying over my kids at night. And I always pray for my kids that they would have perseverance and endurance in the race that God had called them to run. Why? Because it says affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces character. How many of you need character right now? Proving character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So what if, anytime that we've ever gone through affliction and a hard time, I always think to myself, God, what do you want to purify in my soul? What do you want to purify in my life so that I can have character, so that I can have endurance, so that I can have hope? How many of you know that the lesson that God is teaching you right now in your affliction is for your good, to draw you closer to him, and it's for his glory? It doesn't feel like it. 
but I want to speak that truth over your life, even though you don't want to hear it. It's the truth of God's word. Let's continue. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. So he who began a good work in you Wait, you're telling me that affliction can produce good works? I'm telling you right now that afflictions can produce, the if you allow it to have its full effect, endurance, character, hope, God's love, maturity, and complete lacking in nothing. So I want to encourage you with that and say, lean into God's good work in your life right now. Lean into the affliction. Go take it to God. Your pain, your struggle, your doubt, your fear, your anxiety, your depression, you can take it to God. And God is going to wrap you up with his loving arms of grace. And he's going to whisper how much he loves you. He's going to whisper his plans and purpose over your life. And he's going to let you know, I've never left you. And I never will. You know, there's a story in the Bible, one of my favorite stories. I keep saying my favorite, my favorite book, my favorite story. That's all my favorite. It's the story of Joseph. And Joseph is a man of character, absolutely. You want to talk about somebody who went through afflictions that led to character, that led to perseverance and hope? That's Joseph. Joseph was, his own brothers tried to murder him and then they sold him into slavery. He then goes in, to slavery, and he gets, uh, he gets lied about. He gets falsely accused. His own friends turn on him. His friends forget about him. And his family really never come to find him. They even tell his dad that he's dead. I mean, Joseph, of all people, had a, he had a pretty significant amount of affliction over his life. But even then, can you imagine at the end of all of that saying, God was doing a good work. All throughout the story of Joseph, what you'll find about Joseph is over and over and over again, he'll say that God has never left me, but that God is with me. In Genesis 50, 19 through 20, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. He's talking to his brothers. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. You mean that God can take that which was bad and turn it for good? God can take what the enemy means for evil and he can turn it for good? Yes. There's a bigger story than what we can see right now. I want to tell you right now, I want to reiterate the same thing that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. I want to tell you that there is a good work in your life right now that God started and that God will finish. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this. Why? For he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited us into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship is good, but what? Partnership is better. Jesus is inviting us. What a privilege. Church, can we just... Pause for just a second and think about that. That God is inviting us into this story of grace in Jesus Christ, into partnership with him. 
What a privilege. What this tells me is, is that you're not alone. This tells me that you have purpose. You have hope. And you're invited into something incredibly significant. Though I feel overwhelmed, I am not overcome. But I'm an overcomer by the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace on my life. Verse 9 through 11 says this, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What are the good works that God is doing in your life? Paul outlines five things. He says that your love will overflow, that you'll grow in knowledge and discernment, that you'll grow in the knowledge of love in your head and your heart, that you'll prioritize heaven's agenda. The book of Philippians has also been called the epistle of excellent things. Paul is urging the church of Philippi to prioritize heaven's agenda, the excellent things, the superior things. Number four, that they would live pure and blameless. Paul is praying that they would be a people, holy, righteous, and set apart. And then finally, he's prayed that they would be filled with fruit produced by Jesus Christ. Not their fruit, God's fruit. All fruit is God's fruit. The good work that God had started in you, he gets the glory for that. What you're going through right now and and the hope he's producing in you right now, he gets the glory for that. And in the end, all of the glory belongs to Jesus. I just want to close by talking now to the people who are watching who maybe you've never said yes to Jesus and you're listening to this saying, can God do a good work in me too? Earlier, we talked about receiving gifts and how it's a sign of love. The ultimate gift that we could ever receive is a gift called grace. We see in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, another letter written by Paul. He says, for by grace, you are saved through faith. And this is a gift of God, not a result of work so that nobody can boast. God wants to offer you today his free gift of salvation. Grace may be a new word to you, but grace is simply God's unconditional love and his unmerited favor over your life. God loves you so much, and he's freely offering this gift. All you have to do is put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to invite you right now, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you don't clean up your life before you come to God. That's not how this works. This is not salvation by works. This is salvation by grace alone and by faith alone. So would you put your faith and trust? I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I want to invite you watching to pray this prayer with me. I don't believe that it's the prayer that saved you. It's only your faith that saves you. But I do believe that this prayer is a public confession 
that you, though you are walking one way, you're gonna turn, repent of your sins, trust in Jesus and walk in a new way. Would you pray this prayer with me out loud wherever you are today? Say, Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you. I confess that I have sinned against you. I believe that God has raised you from the dead. And right now, by faith, I say Jesus is the Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. By your grace, I am saved. And by your power, I am set free. And all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. Well, I'm so excited that you made that decision to follow Jesus. And I want to encourage you right now. If you made that decision, we do not want you to walk on the journey alone. We want to walk that journey with you. Our mission statement at Pinewood is to meet people where they are and to point them to Jesus. So right here, right where you are, having just said yes to Jesus, we want to meet you right there. We want to get you into God's word. We want to get you in the family, get you plugged in. And we want to hear your story and walk with you and point you to Jesus. We're going to go now into a song of response. And in this song of response, I just want you to take just a minute right now just to pray and say, God, what is the good work that you are doing in my life? Take this moment of reflection and truly seek the heart of God to say, God, I, want, I don't want to miss a moment. The good, the bad, and the ugly, I want to see the good work that you're doing and I want to trust you more. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We're grateful that you do not leave an abandoned project that no matter how bad it gets, you never leave us. You never forsake us, but you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and we're so grateful. Father, we're so thankful for the truths found in this word. We love you so much. We're so thankful for your grace today, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.